I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Always trust your instincts because your instincts will never lie to you. Work on your game. 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 Approaching the game aggressively, with that aggression, with that confidence to dominate a game. Dre Baldwin, DreAllDay.com. Work on your game. My next live event called Work On Your Game Live will be taking place January 21st and 22nd, Miami, Florida. The two-day event will be covering leadership on day one, communication on day two. But let me tell you what's more important than even the material I'm going to give you on those two days, because you already listened to my show. You've read my books. You already know about me. You know I'm 100% substance all the time. No fluff, no garbage. But what's even more important than what you're going to get from me at that Work On Your Game Live are the people that you're going to meet. I get people coming to me all the time asking, Dre, I need better quality prospects. I need to build a network. I need to make connections. I want to have better and higher quality relationships. How does that happen then? It does not happen through your phone. It doesn't happen through social media. It doesn't happen on Facebook. It doesn't go down in the DM. You need to meet people face to face, person to person, eye to eye, look people in their faces and shake hands where you are physically in the same space as them. That's where real relationships get built. And you ask anyone you know who is very successful or a person you know who makes a lot of money, whatever you consider to be a lot, I guarantee you they have a whole lot of in-person, real-life relationships. Doesn't mean they don't use the phone or computer, but those relationships get built and the real money gets made when face-to-face interactions and handshakes occur. If you want to be one of those people and you're ready to step up to that next level, you need to go to where the relationships and the connections are at. And the next place they're going to be at is in Miami, January 21st, 22nd, and work on your game live. Go to workonyourgame.live to get all details, register your seat, and I'll see you in Miami. That's workonyourgame.live. All my coaching programs are now open at workonyourgameuniversity.com. We have the self-directed learning where you can get access to 37 plus courses. That's over 2,800 lessons that I have created over the years. You can take them at your own pace and you get lifetime access to all of them. That's one level. The next level is the group coaching programs. I have the Bulletproof Mindset program and the branding and business program where you get live Zoom calls with me where I do a training and an open Q&A and you get the community access, member only community where you can make those connections and build relationships with other people who are on the same journey as you and are like minded individuals that are just as serious as you are about working on your game third level is the third day mastermind. That is the only place that I offer one-on-one coaching that is for high level professionals and entrepreneurs who want the personalized direct attention straight from me, not part of a group or working with me one-on-one. All three levels, you can get access, you can get all details and you can get started by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. That's workonyourgameuniversity.com. You are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence, put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, we're not done. You get a huge dose of personal initiative, which is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all this together into one, actually not one, a bunch of frameworks, several different approaches, a lot of strategies, many options, a slew of philosophies, a bunch of books, 
this daily masterclass all under the umbrella that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today we are covering how to judge character. This is part three of three. Now, before I get into this, let me tell everyone that I have a text message line from which I send a daily motivation text out every single day to anyone who's on my text community. If you want to get that daily motivation text, all you need to do is text me at this number, 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Text me at that number and you will get my daily motivation text message every day straight to your phone. And that will be me texting. So if you would like to ever ask me a question or share a challenge or just say hello, you will be able to just text at that number. And that is me that is responding. That's not a bot. That's not an assistant or anything like that. That is my number. That number is also down below in the show notes as well. So this topic, we're talking about how to judge character, part three. As I explained in part one and part two, the people that you have around you will either push you further and faster to success, or they will pull you faster and more, will pull you more quickly down for a harder fall on failure. So you need to be a very good judge of character because a person's character is really going to determine how much their presence affects your life, their character, not their personality, not what everybody thinks about them, not their you know, influence, but their character. So this is why you got to be very discerning. You must be very good at judging the characters of other people by looking for the things that I've given you two days ago, yesterday, and also I'm going to give you today. Remembering, this is the caveat, that none of these one pieces alone is going to be the entire picture of a person. You need to look at all of these pieces when you're dealing with another person so that you can gauge you know, what is this person's character really about. Because just like you, every human being out there is a complex individual. We can't judge a person's entire life based on one thing that we know about them or one thing that we saw or one situation, which may just be an aberration, it may just be a single time occurrence. Maybe it's not. But I want to make sure I'm saying that so that you don't take what I'm giving you here to just say, all right, well, this person checked off this box that Dre talked about, or they didn't check this point that Dre mentioned. So that means they're good and it means they're bad. No, 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 no. You have to do the rest of the work. The rest of your work of discernment, which I talked about in episode 1431, is being able to see the big picture of what's really happening in a situation, not just what the situation presents itself as. So your job is to be a critical thinker, which I talked about in episodes number 1826 and 1827. Be a critical thinker based with the information that you have and that's how you make judgments about people. Don't make snap judgments just based on any one data point, because if people did that, if we all did that to each other, then you would be canceled, too. So all that being said, let's get into our points here. We are going to start at point number nine the topic. Once again, how to judge character. Number nine, instincts. This is not their instincts. I'm talking about your instincts. If you're gauging the character of another person, Ask yourself, how do you feel instinctively about this individual? Have you ever come across somebody who you couldn't understand why and you could not articulate why? Maybe you still can't, but just something about them told you that you need to get away from them. Something about this person was just not right. Something about this person just seemed off. And even though everything seemed to check out on the surface, you still had to exit that situation because it just didn't feel right. Have you ever experienced that? I think all of us have experienced that before. Now, the unfortunate, un inconvenient truth is all of us have experienced it, but many of us have experiences where we didn't listen. Then we got fucked over by the situation. And then 
we got some really good experience because now our discernment became that much more sharp because we learned not to second guess our own instincts. So my question here is when I'm talking about instincts, we're on point number nine. How do you feel when you are around this person? Just how do you feel? What kind of energy do you get from being around this individual? You can feel when you're around a genuine person who is for real in what they're about. Now, just because someone is genuine and for real in what they're about does not mean you need to give them what they're asking for or buy their product or do business with them. But you can tell that they're genuine. You can respect that. And you also can feel when you're around a person where is something shady about them. There is something is not being said. There is something is not being told. There's something lying beneath the surface that you can't quite get to. You don't know exactly what it is, but you know something ain't right. Everybody has experienced that before. Again, the challenge for many of us is that when we get that feeling that something is not right, often we overrule it without we got our conscious minds overrule our subconscious minds, which is almost always 100 percent of the time a bad idea. And we end up fucking ourselves over. They didn't, the person didn't fuck us over. We fucked ourselves over because our instincts already told us who this person was. We just didn't listen. So we fucked ourselves over by not listening to our instincts. Or here's what happens on the other side of things is that you come across a person who really is genuine and they really are for real and they really do have your best interest at heart. However, you allow your conscious mind to be blinded by the surface glitz and glamour of a person who has no substance whatsoever, but they have a lot on the surface. So you ignore the person who is actually genuine and you go chasing after the person who has no substance and poor character. And then only later on, when you realize that you chase after the wrong person, then you also realize that the person who was genuine, now they've been taken by somebody else. Now that opportunity has been swept off the table because you left it and you realize the error in your ways. We have all experienced both. So this is why I'm bringing up instincts here as point number nine. What are your instincts telling you about this person that you're dealing with? How do you feel around them? Always trust your instincts because your instincts will never lie to you. Now, when I say trust your instincts, that doesn't necessarily mean act on your instincts. It means trust them. That means listen to what they say and understand that they're telling you something that is based in truth. Now, what you end up doing, that's going to require some conscious thought and decision making and all of that based on the situation. But never, ever ignore your instincts. They will always tell you the truth. I've been around people and known people just being around them. Something just didn't feel right. And I couldn't always explain why at first. But later on, after enough observation, it would always become clear as to why. And like the story that I was telling you a couple episodes ago, episode ago about a couple of teammates that I had my senior year of college and how they stopped hanging around us and start hanging around a bunch of freshmen. When I first saw it, I couldn't quite explain it. Like, why are they hanging around these freshmen? What are those freshmen going to do for them? It was only later and I was able to piece it all together. I said, oh, this guy, he just needs to be the center of attention. He just needs to be the star in any room. And that's why he's hanging with freshmen, because he could be a star amongst them. Like, he's a, a big fish hanging with a bunch of goldfish. So of course, he's going to be the star. Like, he's hanging with a bunch of bum ass freshmen. But when he's hanging with us, he's not the star anymore. He couldn't deal with that. He psychologically could not deal with not being a star. So my instincts were telling me something was up with this guy, but I couldn't piece it together until later. So sometimes you got to observe more and get more information before you come to a conclusion, as I've been telling you over and over again in this series. Do not take any single data point to draw a conclusion about a person. Take each data point and put it together to build a puzzle of this person because human beings are puzzles. Point number 10. Talking about how to gauge character. Point number 10, tolerance. And this is we're talking about them now. How much tolerance does this person have? How does this person, in other words, how does this person deal with differences. This is a really good gauge of character right here. Now, of all these points that I'm going to give you here in this series, this three-part series, some of these data points weigh more than others. They are not all equal. 
All right, so I'm giving you 12 points in this series. Understand that they are not all equally weighted. Some of them are going to weigh more heavily than others. The law of association weighs pretty heavily to me. A person's ability to manage their emotions weighs pretty heavily to me. A person's level of tolerance weighs pretty heavily. And now, again, this is just my assessment. Now, you could take all these 12 data points and you can weigh them differently based on who you are as a person and what matters the most to you. But I'm pointing I want to point that out to make sure you understand they are not all equal. When we talk tolerance, this is a very heavy one for me. In other words, how does this person deal with differences? How do they deal with? And this is a good way to gauge someone's character really quickly is let them share a point or an opinion and then disagree with them. How do they deal with it? Do they come unglued when they're disagreed with? All right. Do they seem to lose their smoothness when you disagree with them? Do they actually become more engaged when you disagree? Because now they, they want to know why you have an opinion that's different from theirs. Do they get angry when you disagree? Do they get frustrated when you disagree? Do they seem to lose emotional control when someone disagrees with them? This is a quick way that you can find out someone's character. Disagree with them and see how they respond. And when I say, how does this person deal with differences? I'm saying differences of opinion. What about differences in lifestyle? How do you deal with someone who has a completely different lifestyle than them? What about someone who takes a different set of actions from them? What about differences in inalienable traits such as gender or color or nationality? How do you deal with those differences? As a person who's a coach and a person who has mentioned this, I've received over 3 million, might be even closer to 4 million messages over the years through all the platforms that we have. People tell me things that they don't tell a lot of people. People tell me things about their lives and things that they would not put on their Facebook page for the whole world to see. And they are willing to tell me things like that and share those type of intimate things and things that are secrets to them in their lives. Because they see me as the type of person who has a high tolerance level. I'm open to differences in opinion. I'm open to differences in lifestyle, differences in actions, differences in traits, gender, color, nationality. I'm open to it. I have friends of, uh, from damn near every, uh, friends of, from every continent, different races, different opinions, different political leanings, different lifestyles, different actions. And people are willing to tell me that stuff because I have this high level of tolerance. And what I'm telling you to do here, as we're talking about judging someone's character, is you want to know what their level of tolerance is, because theirs may be way more narrow than yours. If you have a very wide tolerance for things, but this person has a very narrow tolerance, what's going to happen when they, when your level of tolerance gets outside the bounds of what they're willing to tolerate? What's going to happen? Are they going to become super uncomfortable? Are they going to become emotionally unglued? Are they going to start attacking because they just don't understand or they don't want to understand something that's outside of what they're used to. These are things that you want to think about before you go in too deep with anyone. Everybody got it? I personally, when we talk tolerance, I, mean, I know people who are strippers. I know drug dealers. I know drug addicts. I know prostitutes. I know people with closeted sexual preferences. And I'm not telling you that to impress you, but to impress upon you that because of my level of tolerance, I have a very wide when it comes to associates, I'm not saying necessarily friends, not necessarily people I'm going to be doing any type of business with. And you may never even see me in a picture with any of these individuals, but I have a very wide range of associates simply because of my tolerance level. My tolerance level being high enough that different types of people from different types of backgrounds and who live in completely different worlds are willing to associate with me because they can gauge 
instinctively that I have the tolerance to accept who they are and even what they're doing, even though I may not personally partake. At the same time, those people can also instinctively gauge. Yes, I can tell him that I do these things, but at the same time, I'm not going to ask him to get involved. They can tell that as well. This is all inferences and instincts. And the better in touch with your instincts you are, the better you'll be able to gauge these things about people without needing them or you to make it explicit. What I'm doing here on this show is making it explicit so that you can consciously think about these things and get back in touch with those instincts because they're already there inside of you. You just got to get better at listening to them. Point number 11. Today's topic, once again, we are on part three of three, how to gauge character. Number 11, language and vocabulary. This is an important one that you may not have thought of. I'm going to explain why this is an important aspect of gauging a person's character, their language and vocabulary, because this is something that, I mean, you can choose your language and vocabulary. You can choose to curse and you can choose not to curse. Right? You can choose to say certain words. You can choose not to say certain words. So why is this part of someone's character? You want to know how a person, you want to notice rather how a person speaks. Notice the words that they use. Notice also the energy behind their speech, their nonverbal communication. Are they confident and open when they speak? You want to note their choice of words. This choice of words means a whole lot. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a second. But what words does this person use when they have a options of what word they choose? Why did they choose that word? How does this person talk when they're frustrated or annoyed or angry? Can this person express themselves clearly when they have something to say or do you find yourself constantly needing to interpret what this person says so you can understand what they actually mean? How much interpretation do you need to do when another person is talking? I don't mean interpret like they're speaking a different language, literally a different language, like someone speaking Spanish, another person speaking English. I mean, let's just say that you and that person are both speaking English. When they say something, do you need to kind of read between the lines of what they're saying to understand what they actually mean? Or are they really good at explaining exactly what they mean to the point that you don't have to interpret anything and you know exactly where they stand? Again, there's another data point, another piece of the puzzle that tells you a little bit more about this person's character. Studies have shown that a person's vocabulary, the width and the depth of a person's vocabulary is a key indicator of not only their intelligence, but also their propensity for negative behaviors. That a study was done years back on people who were incarcerated, prisoners. And they found that the people who were incarcerated in general, just the general population of incarcerated people of the, the sample size they used for the study, generally had a much smaller vocabulary than people who had never been into the incarceration system. They had never been in the system, never been arrested, never been imprisoned. That imprisoned people as a whole, generally speaking, as a general rule, just have less vocabulary skills than people who are not criminals. Why is that? I'll explain to you why it is. The reason is, is when a person has a smaller vocabulary, when they are in an emotional state, angry, frustrated, sad, feeling unheard, whatever the situation is confused, when they're in that situation, because they have fewer words with which to express themselves, they have fewer options to get the thoughts and feelings that are inside of them out into the world through words. They instead do it through actions. And again, the energies that most that more quickly move us to action are negative energy. Negative energy moves us to action faster than positive energy. All right, someone will take action on being angry faster than they will take action on being happy. So. A person 
who does not have a wide vocabulary, they don't have the option. They don't have the methods for expressing themselves when they're feeling some type of negative energy. So since they can't say it, they go do something. Has any of you known anybody like this? I've known plenty of people like this. Then when they get upset or they get angry, instead of verbally dealing with it, and even if it meant cussing somebody out, like that girl cussed me out on the phone, like I told you a couple episodes ago, they can't say anything because they don't have the vocabulary to say something. So instead, they take action. They let their frustration or their anger out through action, and that ends up leading to crime, and that gets them behind bars. When people have fewer words, they have fewer options with which to express themselves. Whereas a person with a very wide vocabulary, when they're feeling frustrated, angry, sad, confused, whatever the situation, they can express it through words. They can speak their way through the situation. Therefore, they never have to go to the next level of taking action on that frustration, on that sadness, and they don't end up, then, then they don't do anything dumb that could threaten their life or threaten their freedom. Moving on to point number 12. This is the last point in this series. We are on point on Masterclass 3 of 3 of this series, How to Judge Character. Respect and general temperament is what you want to look for. And when I say respect, I don't mean the respect that they get from other people, even though they can be part of it. I mean, how much respect do they show to other people? Are they a respectful individual? I remember I was at a friend of mine's wedding. Not too long. This was maybe 10 years ago. A friend of mine was getting married. Now, I was part of the wedding party. I was one of the groomsmen. And he had maybe, is maybe six or seven of us groomsmen at this wedding. And after the ceremony was over where, you know, you sit at the table, the bride and the groom sit at this big table. And then all the wedding party, they sit to on either side of the bride and groom. And one of the groomsmen was a guy who I did not know. Apparently, I later found out he was the cousin of the groom. But I did not know this guy. I knew a couple guys in the wedding party, but this particular gentleman, I did not know. Now, he was a little bit younger than me, guy a little bit shorter than me. But it was clear to me that this guy had very, very strong. He had very, very strong aggression, very, very strong, aggressive energy in him. Now, mind you, we're at a wedding. Now, it's his cousin's wedding. Now, this guy is not family. The guy who was getting married is not a family member to my, of me. He's a friend of mine. But this guy who was sitting next to me at the dinner, this is his cousin's wedding. So it's not like I don't think he was thinking about fighting anybody at the wedding. But while we're sitting down to eat dinner, we're sitting at this long table and it's not a super amount of space in between each one of us at the table. But this guy sitting at the table and he like spreads his legs, like opens his knees and his legs are like hitting my leg. And it wasn't like barely touching. Like, his leg like hit my leg. And when his leg hit my leg, I turned, he was sitting to my left. I turned and looked at the guy and he didn't even turn his head. Like, he didn't even acknowledge that. I knew he could feel that I was looking at him, but he didn't even acknowledge it. I guess this was just him letting out his aggression. I guess this is just one of the ways that he was, I don't know, maybe establishing his dominance. I don't know what exactly he was doing. Now, again, we're at a wedding, so nothing's going to happen here. I didn't even say anything to the guy. Normally in a situation like that, I would say something to the person, but I didn't say anything to this guy in a moment. And then after the fact, later on, I was talking to the groom with whom I am still in touch. And I told him this story. And I was like, yo, at your wedding, this happened. And he just started laughing. And then he told me a little bit about his his cousin, this guy who's very get bumped me. And he's like, yeah, this guy's he just has that aggressive energy in him. He's just very, very, very aggressive guy. <laughs> and the point that I'm making here is, there's still a point number 12. We're talking about respect and general temperament. 
you want to when you're gazing the character of another person, you want to find out what is their baseline energy like? Are they the type of person that is going to bump into another person like this guy did at a wedding and just what, what you're going to do about it? Have that kind of energy at a, literally at a wedding. Is this type of person who shows respect to other people? Are they the type of person who would hold the door for another person? Are they the type of person who does say hello when they walk past somebody? Do they make eye contact? Are they the type of person who is, just shows respect to another person even when they don't have to? What is their posture like? What's their body language like? What are all their nonverbal communications? This is, all, this is you taking a look at their general temperament. What about their cleanliness and grooming? Does it look like they shave every day for the males? Do they take time to do their makeup and make their hair for the females? Look at their clothing. Is their clo- are their clothes clean, pressed, and ironed? And uh, Do they have stains on their shirts? Are their shoes clean? When I was a senior in college, I took this internship preparatory course. And the one thing that I remember from that course, actually two things I remember from the course. One of them was giving a follow-up letter, sending a follow-up letter to anyone who interviews you to let them know that just to thank them for the opportunity to interview. And the other one was what our professor's woman named Mrs. Wood, she called it the rules of 12. And the rules of 12 are very simple, that the first 12 seconds when you walk in the room are the most important 12 seconds of the interview. The second rule of 12 was 12 inches from the top of your head on down are very important. So make sure that your hair is groomed properly. You don't have any food in your teeth. You know, your facial hair, if you have any, is groomed. And make sure your collar is clean if you have a a button-up shirt, which you probably will if it's a job interview. And then the 12 inches from the bottom of your feet up, they matter as well. So make sure your shoes are clean. You don't have no toilet paper stuck to your shoes. Make sure your cuffs are clean and your socks are clean if they're going to show. Those are the rules of 12. And I'm bringing that up to say this. That's the cleanliness and grooming part. When we talk respect and general temperament. And if you notice, next time you go out and you meet a person, next time you're introduced to somebody, you meet someone new, you're going to notice them taking in all your rules of 12, at least the physical ones. You're going to notice them looking at the top of your head on down. It was usually they're looking at your face, but they're seeing everything else in their periphery. And they're going to look you up and down. They may not do it right in front of you. They might try to do it more subtly when you're not looking, but they will look. They want to see what you have on your feet. They want to see, you know, are you, what kind of socks you got on? Are your shoes clean? They're noticing these things. They, they usually won't say anything, but they are noticing you. People are always picking up on your rules of 12, and that first 12 seconds matters a lot. General temperament. This is something that you want to know about the character of another person. How do they deal with someone whom they do not need to show respect to? How do you deal with someone who they could get away with being disrespectful, disdainful, or dismissive of? How do they deal with that person? This tells you a lot. How patient is this individual when someone is late or just things overall get behind schedule? I know I mentioned this story on my show. This had to be a few months ago, maybe a year ago. I was living in a building. This was, I mentioned it a few months ago or a year ago, but this story happened probably over 10 years ago. I was living in this building. I was on a pretty high floor and I'm mentioning that to frame the situation because I was going down the elevator, or I was attempting to go down the elevator. I was pushing the button, waiting for the elevator, but the elevator was not coming. Now, in this building, there were four elevators, but often, sometimes one elevator was being worked on because it was such a tall building. There'll be issues with the elevators. So sometimes the elevator would be being worked on, or if somebody's moving in or out, then one elevator was not available because people are moving in and out. So that becomes a service elevator. And when you take a building that has four elevators and you cut it down to only two, you realize how much those elevators get used. Things get really, really slow. You would think things would still be pretty fast, but they actually are not. 
So this particular afternoon, hey, I hit the button to go down. I'm the only one standing over there at the elevator bay waiting to go down. And the elevator's taking forever. So then more people came, more people came to the point that it was like seven of us standing there in the middle of the afternoon waiting to go down the elevator. And we are not really seeing too many other options because it's we were on such a high floor that you're probably not going to take the stairs. It was a very long way down. And this woman, she was, I could tell English was not her first language, but her, her English was very clear. She knew how to speak English. When she was fluent and she had an accent. That's how I knew she, English wasn't her first language. And she picks up her phone. She's getting annoyed. She's pushing the button. You know, when you're waiting for the elevator and the button has already been pressed and you can see the button is lit up and a person comes along and they are either, either they're very impatient or they're just feeling a little bit uncomfortable. So even though they can see that the button's been pressed, they go press it again. You ever seen anybody do that? Or if someone's waiting for the elevator and they're getting impatient because it's taking too long, they start pressing the button over and over again. Like that's going to make the elevator come faster. If you just keep pushing the button really, really hard, that the elevator will realize that you're angry and it will show up. So she started doing that. She's pressing the button, pressing the button. Elevator is not coming. We're waiting on the elevator. She picks up her, opens up her phone and she calls the front desk of the building and the front desk answers. And she has someone with her. I think she mentioned she was calling the front desk. So she picks up her phone. You can just see the frustration on her face and in her body language. She's just showing all this frustration and anger. And it's really funny to me when people do that because it's like, are right, you mad because the elevator is taking long? You showing these other humans up here that you're frustrated is not going to make the elevator move any faster. But this is a sign. That for me, it's a sign of a lack of emotional control on this woman's part. I never saw her before. never saw her again, as a matter of fact. If I did see her, I didn't know it was her. So anyway, the front desk, they answered the call in the first ring because people that sit down there all day, 24 hours a day. So they answered the call in the first ring. And this woman, through her accent, she says, hey, I am on floor number XXX and the elevator is not coming. And I will be very angry if you don't fix this right now. And she just hung up on him. <laughs> he just hung the phone up. And these are the guys at the front desk. All right? These are not elevator engineers. All, their job is to sit at the front desk, say hi to you when you walk in and check in guests and call somebody's apartment and say, hey, hey, Mr. Johnson, you got Pizza Hut here. Hey, Mrs. Jones, you have Lisa here to see you. That's their job. All right, they don't know anything about operating an elevator or why elevators are slow. So she calls them, cusses them out, not cussing them out, but chewed them out for 10 seconds, then just hung the phone up on them. And I'm standing there watching her do this. And I just started laughing. And I know that my laughing probably made her more frustrated, but she didn't say anything. I'm just laughing because it was funny that everything that I'm thinking now and telling you the story, I was thinking then. And I'm like, all right, what is yelling at them going to do? All right, it's not going to make the elevator come any faster. Eventually, the elevator did come. That's the happy ending to the story. I'm now no longer stranded in that building. But the point is, general temperament. How patient is someone when things are late or things are not going the way that they want them to go? And even when someone does get impatient, because we all get impatient. Now, I don't know where I was going that particular day, but I guess I had enough time built into my schedule that I wasn't feeling so anxious about the fact the elevator was taking forever, even though she was. Maybe she needed, maybe she had somewhere to be that was very urgent. I understand. But at the same time, how does someone express that when they're feeling impatient, when they are up against the deadline, when they are running out of time? How do they express it? Like, do they come unglued like this woman or are they able to handle it in a more, to me, a more mature way? All of these pieces are part of the puzzle of someone's character. Let's recap today's class, which is part three of three. How to judge character in another person. Number nine, trust your instincts. How do you feel around this person? Just your general energy around a person. Always trust your instincts because they will never lie to you. After enough observation, it will always become clear as to why you get certain feelings around certain people. Number 10, judge their level of tolerance. 
How does this person deal with differences of opinion, lifestyle, actions, traits? People tell me things that they don't tell a lot of other people because they gauge that I have a high tolerance level and that I will be accepting of it. I know people from all different types of worlds that other people that I know would not be accepting of these types of individuals. People like strippers, drug dealers, drug addicts, prostitutes, people with closeted sexual preferences. I know people in all of these worlds and these people are willing to share with me because they know that I'm going to be tolerant of it and I will not judge them either to their face nor behind their backs. Number 11, language and vocabulary. How do they speak? Are they confident and open when they talk? Note their choice of words. How do they talk when they're frustrated or annoyed or emotionally piqued? Can they express themselves clearly or do you always need to interpret what they're saying to figure out what the hell they mean? Vocabulary is a key indicator of intelligence and propensity for poor behavior. Less vocabulary, a smaller vocabulary usually means person is more prone to, has been proven, people are more prone to violence when they have less vocabulary and it makes sense because they don't have any other way of expressing themselves but through action. Number 12, respect and general temperament of others and of themselves. Look at their posture. Look at their body language. Look at their cleanliness and grooming, the rules of 12. How do they deal with someone who they do not need to show respect to and they can get away with dismissing or being disdainful of? How patient is this person when someone is late or things are just behind schedule or things are not working in their favor? Everything that I've said through these three episodes, ladies and gentlemen, I'll say one more time. These are all puzzle pieces. Do not take any one point and think that you can gauge a person's entire being based on one point in one situation that you saw. Now, some of them do way more than others, but again, point, put these all together as a big puzzle. All right. They are no one point is necessarily the entire picture of another person. Again, look at your own life. Would you want someone judging you based on any one data point that they could find? Probably not. So send me a text. Everybody who's listening to this, if you want to get my daily motivation, it is 305-384-6894. Send daily motivation text to your phone every single day. And anyone who's interested in being coached by me one-on-one is the only one place I offer one-on-one coaching is in my third day mastermind. This is for professionals out there who want more accountability. You want to make sure you have a strategy in place, a plan in place, make sure we are working it. You want a person that you can talk to on a regular basis, bounce ideas off me, ask for assistance on working through certain situations, things that may come up. I'm your guy for that. That's the third day mastermind. You can get into that by going to the link down below. It is workonyourgameuniversity.com slash call. You set up a Zoom call. I'm going to find out who you are, what you're about, where you're at, where you want to go, what your challenges are, what's working, what's not, and how we can get you where you want to be. Work on your game. Dre all day. I want you to send a text to this number, 305-384-6894. That is my direct text number. When you text me there, you'll be part of my texting community. And that means you're going to be receiving my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to keep you sharp, focused, and mentally on point for the day in front of you. Send me a text at this number, 305-384-6894. One more time. 305-384-6894. Get daily motivation.